Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 125, Cairo Seasonings, David Raby. On this episode of Huntivore, Nick is joined again by David Raby, a California native who takes everything to the next level. His recreation is extreme, his hunts are for the biggest and the best, and his harvested wild game gets prepared only with herbs and spices that elevate his kill, not clog it with a bunch of additives. Come along with Nick and Dave as they catch up on what's happened this past year, how Kairos is the perfect rub to be used on heavily valued harvests, explains the idea of perfect moment, perfect place, and the meaning of Kairos, and finally finishes up with some incredible dish ideas. It all comes down to this moment, this time, on this episode of Huntivore. Before we begin, Dave and the Kairos team have graciously knocked off 10% of the price using the code HUNTIVORE10 on their products. I'll have the details in the show notes. With Father's Day right around the corner, a Founders Collection Box would be a perfect gift for the Grillmaster or Hunter taking their game to the next level. Comes with four original rub blends. Uh, in fact, the Western Winged Rub is my favorite right now, using that on turkey and wild pork. Also, a discount chip that is good for essentially the rest of your grilling life. Epic value, incredible flavor, right place, right time. Now, on with the show. Hey folks, welcome to another evening here with the Huntivore. Folks, uh, we're into May now. I'm not sure exactly when this one will drop right offhand. Uh, but yeah, we're in the first week of May. Uh, we have gone from uh, freezing temperatures and snow uh, all the way up to today. We were in the 50s and I think uh, by by Saturday, we'll be in the 70s. So we're, we're playing the roller coaster of spring. Uh, I tell you what, it's one of those things like you learn to appreciate the warm days that are coming. Um, in fact, I have uh, neighbors that are showing pictures of morels already. 
and my nettles have not popped yet. I'm I'm going to get hard and heavy after the nettles here early, but they just have not sprouted yet. We were out there yesterday kind of poking around, but morels are up. I haven't checked any of my spots yet, but hopefully we'll get after those here soon enough. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Folks, I am uh, joined with an old friend. It's been a while since we've talked. Um yeah, I need to go check to see how long. Yeah, I want to say when I last looked it up to make sure that I hadn't talked to you too soon, it was like 2001, um, David Raby. Raby, right? I get the last name correct? Yes, sir. No, you nailed Beautiful. it. Usually it's tough for people. But yeah. yeah, all the way out in sunny California. Is it uh, is it all that it's cracked up to be right now? Are you living the sunshine life over there, Dave, or uh, is weather coming your way? It's been a very interesting winter for us. Um, I think I've seen more rain um, in this winter season than I have, man, maybe probably 10 years I've lived here. So if you see any of the the pictures from the ski resorts in Southern California, almost all of them broke records. I saw snow at elevations that I've never seen it that low before. And there were some, I mean, so mountain high, snow summit, uh, Big Bear Mountains, the closest mountain to us, which is um, probably about an hour and a half drive. And there was actually um, a storm that came through. And I had some buddies that went up there with their families for the weekend, right? And um, just hadn't talked to them for a few days. I knew the storm came through, didn't think much of it. And then I checked in with them like Tuesday. I'm like, hey, did you guys make it out all right before the other one? They're like, no, we're snowed in. I'm like, snowed <laughs> in? Like, come on, like, get out there. I know your truck's not four-wheel drive, but, uh, you know, go find, you know, go grab some beers and, you know, go down the street. There's someone that's got an F-250 with a chain that'll pull you out. And he's like, I don't think you have any idea what you're talking about. They're, they're, we're not going anywhere. And I'm like, I'm not from Southern California. I'm, you know, used to snow and taking care of business. And so I didn't believe him. And I called my friend that had um, his family lived up there. And I'm like, what's what's the real story behind this? I'm like, dude, they're running out of food. Kids are up there. And I'm like, it's an hour and a half drive. And I'm like, should I just go pick them up? Is it like that bad? And they're like, he laughed at me. He's like, there is absolutely no way you're getting up there right Holy now. Smoke. And he's like, here's a picture of um, my parents' house. And the drift was up to the up above the garage. So it's like anything else in California, um, just completely inept government. And so they actually pulled all of the the snow machines off the mountain to make sure that they could keep the, the highways moving uh, down lower. And so everybody was stranded up there for like a, a week oh plus. Goodness. And it was really bad. Yeah, it was a really bad situation where the National Guard had to come in and help rescue some of these people. They got out, you know, just you know, kind of learned a lesson to be better prepared for some stuff. But, you know, so a lot of uh, a lot of precipitation. This yeah, that is crazy. The amount of snow, that stuff we get like we hear about that in the UP where, yeah, it hits up to like the roof, uh, roof ledges. But holy smokes to be that quick and to strand people up there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Weather's getting weird. Things are going up. Things are going down. Um, but, yeah, we just take it day by day but uh what brings me to talk to you tonight dave is that when we last talked in 21 
you were you were had this pet project and you were working with wild seasonings. This was your uh, your your pet project. You're trying to get something off the ground, learn a few things along the way, and it really sparked uh, this snowball effect, or it really sparked this uh, idea you had into really getting into seasonings that play on proteins, a seasoning that is going to best fit some of our hard-earned harvest. And that's where this evolution from wild to kairos has come along. Talk to me a little bit about this journey of kairos. Your your tagline, I don't want to say it. I want you to say it for me. Um, but the the evolution of that you've gone through from from wild to kairos is such a cool idea. Talk to me about your new company. Yeah, it's been a fun little journey. So maybe uh, taking a step back for the people that don't know, um, I started a company called Wild Spice Co. Now, this was sort of at the end of my, um, sort of in the middle of my hunting journey, kind of learning, uh, learning the ropes and kind of figuring it out. And so um, I'm going to change this real quick over to the headphones. And so what happened was um, after, you know, I didn't come from a family of hunters. I didn't have any friends that were hunters. So, you know, between, you know, Steve Ranella, some of his books, podcasts was kind of what laid the foundation for me. And so it took me uh, years of kind of picking up that knowledge. Luckily, I had the shooting background, so that was kind of easier for me to start, right? Familiar with, and also an outdoors background. So I had kind of those two tools in my toolkit to begin with. But, uh, you know, tracking animals, understanding patterns, seasons, um, that was uh, something completely new to me. And the other piece was kind of the administration of getting the tags in the Western states. Um, I'm a data guy and analytics guy. And so I kind of dove headfirst into that. So, I mean, I run spreadsheets with applications, uh, points, units all across the West to like understand where my best chances are. Cause my goal is to hunt at least, um, you know, at least once a year. And so it's, it's a bit tougher, right? Cause I mean, I've have, uh, applied in Arizona for deer, even as a resident there, um, for, I think this will be my 13th year and haven't, haven't got a deer oh, tag, goodness. um, for rifle in Arizona. Now there's a bit more to that. I, I'm very interested in some, uh, you know, specific units and kind of hunting the, the high quality deer that they manage it for, but it's a process. I just kind of highlight that. Um, for that. So it took me about three years of applying before I got my first tag. So I apply all across the West, Idaho, Montana, uh, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, uh, California, um, and New Mexico. Those are kind of my focus states. Each one of them has a kind of unique thing. New Mexico and Idaho are a bit of outliers. Their system's changing a bit. Um, but let's say when people think of the West, really, it's kind of the bonus point yeah. system. So it took me like three years of figuring this out before I even had the opportunity to go hunt. Uh, so we were actually out. Actually, that year, going to hunt twice. The first one was in Utah. Um, we we're really excited to get these tags. And we just assumed that there'd be uh, animals when we showed up, <laughs> right? It wouldn't be that big a deal. Um, and it was because we were like, okay, we'll study, we'll understand elevations and mountains, you know, then kind of, we actually 
had never even been to this unit before. So we kind of show up and we think like, hey, there's some water over there. These mountains, there's a saddle. They got to come through here at some point. And so that hunt was difficult. Um, I'm trying to think if we even saw anything. Yeah, I spooked two deer uh, on that, that, you know, nine days in the backcountry there. Um, and so that was it. Actually, after that, we uh, later in the season, we had an elk hunt out in Arizona. My brother and I, we got uh, we encountered a storm similar to what I was describing earlier. We just got oh, dumped man. on where uh, we were. The truck was far back. Uh, we didn't think we were going to be able to get out, but it came down and we're like, well, we heard on the podcast, it's better to, you know, hunt, you know, animals after the snow, like maybe we'll see what happens. And so it actually turned out to be a, a really fun hunt. And, uh, we both tagged out, right. When you think of, you know, Western hunting, Arizona elk is always at yeah. the top, right? You see these 350 bulls drops in the back, just howling. Uh, my brother... My brother got a raghorn that was a bit beat up, and then um, I actually killed the spike. And so, um, out of a premium unit, premium archery unit, but we were able to, to tag out. And we were over the moon, Absolutely. right? This has been just journey of years, money, dollars, vacations, driving, figuring all this stuff out. And so, we were so excited, right? And so, we wanted to come back and share that that story and that experience um, with our friends and family. But... Uh, when it came to actually cooking the first meal and I had the, the elk ready on the Traeger, I pulled out the, the seasoning and took a look at it, right? Because, I mean, if you work out the price per pound of that meat that came, right, it doesn't even make sense, right? You could, there's, there's no meat on the planet that costs absolutely. that much. And so, you know, it was absolutely precious to me and I wanted to, to respect it, respect the animal as well as, you know, enjoy the most premium experience I could with it. And so taking a look at those ingredients, there was like, you know, scientific names I've ever heard and, you know, additive agents and all this other stuff. And I'm like, dude, I can't, I've spent so much time and energy on this journey. I can't do that to myself and I can't disrespect the animal like that. So it's kind of, um, you know, everything I do is to the extreme and probably overdone. But um, so I dove in and went on this journey of like trying to find, okay, where can I find the best stuff the best ingredients that works with this meat these cuts and all this so i mean you know talking with guys in india to source these peppers um you know some of the best garlic in california um you know trying samples mix adjusting the recipes and coming up with these things and finally uh, i nailed it in a couple of different recipes and so that was kind of the journey for, for wild spice. Now we came up with four different blends, uh, primarily focused, you know, on Western game, as well as kind of the Texas barbecue influence there. Um, I love them. People love them. Um, I'm kind of a, a data business construction analytical guy. And so I have zero knowledge about marketing <laughs> advertising, right? I assumed if you paid for, uh, you know, clicks, on Instagram or Facebook that you get people liking your stuff. Uh, it doesn't work that way. So I spent, um, right. I knew it was, I knew the product was awesome. I loved it. Everyone that purchased it loved it too, but I just couldn't get, couldn't get the thing going. Right. And then, um, probably a little bit after we spoke in 21, uh, had, uh, was probably actually already had my first kid at that point in time. Other businesses were taken off, keep me super busy, and it just kind of fell by the wayside. It's a very intense 
process, right? I really care about the quality, the, you know, the, the packaging, the way it's shipped. And so it's, to me, I mean, I was, it was just losing money, right? The time it would take me to kind of small batch, make it, make sure that, it, you know, it's shipped, the packaging is correct, shipping it off. And um, it was just tough. It was tough to keep up with it. And I had kind of lost interest. So I was trying to figure out how do I find like the products there? All, it's the, you know, the processes and product are all built and it's there. And so I was going to trying to find someone. I'm like, hey, there's got to be a kid out there that knows, you know, marketing and advertising on that side of it. And that could just take this and run with it. Like if I could find the right person. Right. I'd give it to him. I mean, it'd be like the best thing ever. But I wanted because I knew it was there. I knew people loved it. And I really wanted to see it succeed. And so I, I happened um, to hear another podcast, another business podcast, and ended up on this site called uh, Acquired, which is primarily focused on um, kind of SaaS business sales. Um, you know, a lot of Internet kind of like drop shipping, random stuff. But I'm like, hey, well, I think one night. Uh, I might have had a beer too, and I'm like, let's give it, uh, give it a try. And so I kind of listed out this story, right? Here's where I came from. This is what I did. Here's, you know, uh, you know, the cogs, the cost of the goods. Here's the sales numbers. Here's the marketing number. Like, here's, you know, all the social performance. And I'm like, here's kind of what it is. You know, if someone's interested, like, let me know. And I think it was maybe like on a Sunday night, and I go check my email Monday morning and. All these people that are interested, and I'm like, what? Like, what is this? Like, what? Someone's actually interested in doing this, and I think um, uh, I put a price on it. And I'm like, yeah. I, I think I added a zero to the price I was willing to take. <laughs> You're on just it. throwing it to still, the sky like, at that point, yeah. We're, we're interested, and I'm like, this is very odd to me. And so I started like all these people. And so I had inventory left, so all the people I talked to, I'm like, hey. Here's, here's the deal. You know who I am. Give me your address. I'll send some to you. Take a look at it. Feel it. Taste it. Give me a call back if you're interested, you know? And they're like, I'll write you a check right now. And I'm like, ah, you know, like I, I want someone that has like, I, I at least, you know, still like my baby. Yeah. I want somebody that's, you know, not going to let it die. And I, I really want to see it grow because I think there's something there. And I just don't have the time or energy or understand that side of the business. And so I was talking to different guys. There's even like a VC that came in and was talking about doing this. And everyone was really interested. And I'm like, wow, you know, I think if I, first thing was off my mind is like, hey, if I put a little bit more energy into this, like I could really build this like into uh, a brand and actually sell it for something that might actually interest me. But then um, I came across and met who's now my partner, Jason, um, and I was actually on vacation in Idaho, and he called me, God, ah, just call me, talk if you're interested, like, we'll figure it out. And super bright guy, has a, back, uh, a background, you know, marketing, advertising, high small business acumen, entrepreneur to the core. Um, and I'm talking, I'm on family vacation, we're walking in our shops, I'm talking to him in Idaho, I'm like, yeah, man, like, this is what it is, this is where we're at, like, if you're interested, he's like, I'm interested. And I also got another guy that I think can help us. And I'm like, cool, we'll talk to him, figure it out. I'm going to be on vacation. Um, give me a call back in a couple of weeks if you guys are interested. And let, like, let's see what's up. And so at this time, I still thought I was going to sell it, right? But because um, there's a ton of people in line to buy it, no problem. Whatever, whatever I was asking, they were going to cut me a check and kind of be done with it. But 
the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, man, you put all the effort in. You believe in this product. Like, don't quit now. Now's not the time to quit. And so it's just like you spent in a that few calls snow. getting in. Yeah, the, it's like you in that snowstorm. Like we could bail, but at this point, we're already here. We're already in the thick of it, and that's when you end up scoring your elk on that. Like, what a similarity. Yeah, very similar. And so we got a couple kind of discovery calls with the three of us to see, you know, what we're interested. In. I was kind of trying to fill them out. Like, what do you guys want? You know, they weren't necessarily kind of hunters, but they understood the vision, they understood the story, and they, they, they believed in it, right? So um, we partnered up, and it was the best thing I could have done for the brand. Um, I was all excited. I'm like, hey, you know, hey, guys, I already got the hats. The domain's good. We're money, you know? And Jason's like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. This is kind of, this is my area. Let me uh, let me help you out with this. You know, very kind to let me know that I didn't know what I was talking about, but he, he had it. I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever you want, man, let me know. I'll help. help. What, do, what do you need? And, um, and so he's like, let me see if I can get the trademark for this one. Like, yeah. Trademark. This is going to be big. We should get a trademark. That sounds like a fantastic idea. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, I'm like, you got that? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Understand. Know all about it. Got a guy. Call him. We'll figure it out. I'm like, cool, cool. Yeah. Let's get that trademark. And he comes back in a couple of days and he's like, yep. Uh, the lawyer says, um, no chance. And I'm like, man, really? I really like that name. I got hats. We got the domain. Like, we're good. We're money. People understand it. Love it. Wild, right? It's kind of what we're all about. And um, he's like, ah, yeah, yeah, it's not going to work. So uh, let uh, let Frank uh, come up with something new. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me know. I'll, uh, I'll let you know what I think. And they're like, okay, cool. And so they actually went through, um, kind of storyboarded kind of their process, right? They're creatives. And they went through and... Um, came up and you kind of spitballing all these names. And I list the names kind of like, okay, that's great. These are the 10, right? This is the next one. What looks, what like, what looks cool and kind of matches the inspiration of the brand. And he's like, well, we had an idea. So we looked up this Greek word. The word itself is Kairos. I'm like, Kairos. I like that. K, big K. Well, cool, right? All cool in the logo. And I'm like, so what does it mean? He's like, well, it's ancient Greek word meaning that, you know, the right, critical, or opportune moment. I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, that's pretty sweet. And he's like, yeah, you know, the Greeks consider it the most appropriate for something new. The concept has its origin in the practice of Greek archery, representing the moment when the archer finds the perfect opening to shoot his arrow at his target. And I'm like, moment in time. And I'm like, okay, perfect. So it matches up kind of with the theology behind, you know, the hunting aspect, as well as I think the moment in time um for sharing with your friends and family those special meals right and so that's where we made the decision so it has you know kairos is the name um and our tagline is every flavor has a purpose and every purpose has its moment kind of playing on you know the special moments we have as as hunters as well as as people who cook food and produce those moments with your friends friends and family I yeah that whole transgression I mean shoot this this every flavor has a purpose and every purpose has a moment that that just kind of spells out even just its its birth of going from wild and coming into Kairos um but then just as you translated to when when a hunter brings in that game like the time that was spent to, to take care of that but now the time I'm a full circle guy I like to bring in my animal, 
I'm going to butcher that animal. I'm going to spend so much time with this carcass, preparing it, getting it to the place where I feel like it is now, I don't want to say worthy for my table, but it's now going to be most exemplified through my actions at this point. And to have a company like the spice company that gets that and to understand, like, I don't want to have crap on my table. I don't want to put stuff. I don't want to put synthetic uh, ingredients on my absolute wild piece of protein that I have here. Like that just, it doesn't, it doesn't line up. It, it just doesn't correlate. But to be able to then source that out and get that stuff like that, just, I know as a, as a, as a hunter and someone who, who really like dives into protein, that is, that is something that very much excites me. Not taking any shortcuts, not taking uh, things for granted, but let's, if I'm going to elevate something like I, that even goes along with the spices at that point. So that's, that's just so cool where you guys have, have gone with that. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great journey and kind of bringing these two pieces and kind of the areas of expertise together to take it to that next level. So, I mean, they're doing a great job helping get it where it needs to be. And we got some, you know, fantastic ideas for where we're going. Kind of a big, big question, too, kind of going along with the the whole moment in time. Um, it's actually kind of like a, a current events thing. I thought saw it come through on my uh, my feed on my social media, and it's it's been a topic that's been talked about for a while. And I know the term harvest got thrown around by hunters oh probably about a year, year and a half ago, that people were saying the word harvest as opposed to saying the word kill. And folks felt like, are we shying away from what we're doing it by putting the the blanket of the word harvest over that over the whole thing? Talk to me about when you're on the hunt. What is your relationship with the term kill and the term harvest? I mean, we're, you're out there for a purpose. If we're not going to shy around it, we're out there to pursue these animals. When do you see where when do you see those two terms coming together? How do you see that relationship happening? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think you you also focus on a very important word there, pursuit, right? I think there's I think that there's a place in time for each of those words, like in the experience itself, right? So I mean, I like the word harvest, I think because that's probably what I do. But I also think that there's a place in time for, for killing, right? I think, you know, there, there's certain states where you can go and get, you know, three, four, five doe tags, and you're going to go out to that stand over that food plot and kill, right? You're getting groceries. There's no, there's no pursuit. Let's call it what it is. Like that's, and I think that that's an important part. I think part they just labeled the, the Michigan uh, experience <laughs> our dose our dose season. <laughs> okay, I mean, I think it's great, right? I think it's important. I think it's helping with the management um, of those numbers, the populations, the species. Like I think that's a good thing. But I'm really interested in in the pursuit of the experience, right? Um, I, it's a lot easier to get tags in the Western states for where you can, you know, for uh, antlerless tags. That just doesn't 
kind of interest me, right? I think a piece of it has to do with kind of population control and that, and I want to see the populations continue to grow. So I've always kind of felt a little bit odd about, about doing that because I think what I like about it is, is the wildness and the primalness of the experience, right? I mean, there was a time where um, I was hunting in Utah and it's beautiful area, eastern side of the states. Um, kind of if you've ever seen Zion National Park, it looks like a lot of like tall red rock canyons and all this stuff. And so I um, have no idea where these animals are. This is not, I think this is, that was maybe my first time showing up in that unit and I'm walking around. I got some ideas of where they might be and looking around and I'm climbing down um, this canyon and man it probably dropped like 2,000 feet in elevation like down to this canyon to get close to this field that looked like it was the bottom I'm like they gotta be down here you know in the mornings and as I'm climbing down there I pass this wall right the wall's like 10 feet tall and I see um uh petroglyphs of um a man with the boat right and so who knows how long those have been there right but I guarantee it's more than 100 years um, and so I'm out there with a bow in my hand, performing the same pursuit in the same animal that's the, whoever the person was that, that drew that on the wall, right? I don't, I don't know. It could have been, I'm not, I have no idea, right? It could be a thousand plus years ago, um, or even longer than that. Who knows how long it's been there. So the wildness and the primalness and kind of, that's, what's always brought me back to hunting, right? There's no emotion when you go and you pick up that, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of almost yellow pink looking ribeye at the supermarket wrapped in styrofoam, like that's not only does it taste bad, I don't think it can be good for you. Right. And so, um, I've always liked the word harvest in the play on that. Cause that's what I do. Right. I'm in the pursuit of the experience, the animal, right. Because the same why I want to be involved in you know the butchering of that animal and have that connection feel all the pieces right just because you know the first time you know one piece was is you know in this journey that i went on of, of you know trying to go hunting and actually harvest an animal um you know i spent hours reading books and all this i don't know if i spent much time if any on, on the butchering part of it <laughs> um and so as soon as you walk up, you know, on that, you know, 300 plus pound elk and you're looking at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a forest horse with, you know, swords sticking out of its head. It's massive. Like, what did I just do? What did I just do? Like, what do I do with this now? Right. And so, um, but like butchering it for the first time, you kind of, it, see, it felt like it came natural to me. Like I knew what to do. And like, this is the way you cut this way, right? So you're not, you know, getting, you know, hair into the cuts and you're finding the gaps in between the muscles to take the skin off, you know. And um, and so I think that just, it's something that's primal and harvest to me is kind of what, you know, my focus is now and probably will be in the pursuit of, you know, wild places and wild animals. I love that. I love that. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifled barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? 
The Tapicu line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tapicu uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tapicu meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tapicu.com or find the link in the show notes and use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your cue. Dry-aged steaks used to be a steakhouse-only indulgence. An old-world charcuterie was pricey due to being imported or created at a small batch-specific scale. Thanks to Umai Dry, their synthetic dry-aging bags and casings allow you to create these meat-crafting treats in your own kitchen. Working in tandem with your fridge, the Umai Dry bag material allows moisture and air to pass through, making it possible to dry-age large cuts of steaks or roasts. Paired with their curing and seasoning kits, along with safe and easy-to-follow instructions, salamis and dry sausage are well within your grasp. Use the link in the show notes and sign up for the newsletter to receive 10% off your order. Umai Dry, helping us elevate our wild game from the home kitchen. The whole experience, I think now you're, just, you're not even just taking the harvest of the meat at this point, but you're, it's the whole experience that you've described into this. I, you know, I, and I have toyed around, I'm shoot. If I get a big deer or if I get a big animal that I'm in pursuit of versus something that's small next to it. uh, Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take the bigger of the animal. I want to take a little bit of that adventure. Uh, But at the same time, I'm also very opportunistic that if, if I'm going to come across something that. I can handle right now. I can take right now and have that experienced. Uh, you know, we, we, we put a bow on that experience quickly. I'm all for it. And that's where that Eastern style of Michigan hunting is, is, you know, I might get a doe that walks out in front of me and yeah, she's going to, she's going to get the arrow. She's going to get the bullet. Um, given the scenario, given the setup, it might change. And that kill as as I'm looking forward to the harvest, I want that kill to be quick. I want that kill to not only twofold. It's almost like, you know, it's the same coin. It's just two different sides. I don't want that animal to suffer. I want this to be as painless as possible for that creature. And on the flip side of that coin, it's I know that that painless death, that quick ease into the afterlife is going to be helpful for the flesh on that point because when I do come upon that animal I want to be able to take the highest quality meat that I can um and I love to re-put on that too that it is really primal you get these sensations you get these feelings walking up on the animal and then beginning that process of harvesting the meat off that kill you do end up with these primal inhibitions that you know at, at one point in my diet, like organ meat wasn't wasn't a thing. It just wasn't uh, coming across my plate. And I think for probably most Americans at this point, uh, organ meat isn't a thing. But now, as I 
She just had to wait for, for Liver King to come up and <laughs> then it came on your radar? No, I, I was into it before old Liver King came up. I, I appreciate his message, but at the same time, his tact is a is a little off. But, hey, I, I see the bigger picture that he's trying to do there. But as a hunter, you're now gifted with the liver. You're now gifted with the kidneys. You're gifted with the heart. And as someone who then took this animal, who killed it, part of that responsibility, part of that weight was I wanted to make sure that every bit of this animal gets used to the best of its ability. If I can shrink that discard pile, if I can shrink down what's going to go to compost, that is going to make me someone who can see this as a sustainable act. Uh, at that point, you know, waste not, want not is one of those phrases I, I use a lot. I got that from my grandfather. And in the in the terms of food at that point, like you said, you come up with, with this mountain horse, you said, with the spikes coming out of its head, and you got you got a hell of a lot of work to do. But at the same time, that's going to sustain you for almost a year, more than a year probably, being able to enjoy yeah. all of that meat. So to hear your uh, to hear you bring harvest and pursuit and bring that into a great definition. I, I appreciate that. <clears throat> On that that elk, what was the first meal that you prepared from that? I think we maybe we've talked about this at one point, but talk to me about that celebration meal of taking that elk in Arizona. Yeah, that's a good question. We, we had to get out of Arizona. Um, I'll like show the pictures. I mean, it was snow because there's no snow. We were like back on mountain fire roads. And so there's no help out there. Uh, so we had to, we knew that there was another big storm coming in. So after we took those two elk, we loaded up and we were blasted to get out of there. So until we got home, man, I want to say, I want, I I'll have to go back and ask my brother about this, but I think the first meal we might have had was the liver. Yeah. And so I had never, um, had, I don't think I ever had liver before. It, you know, it's not really, even like beef liver is kind of like an East coast thing. And so he's like, all right, I'm gonna cook this up. We're going to do liver and, and onions and gravy. And I'm like, all right, let's try it and see what it is. And, um, so I remember he grilled it up and I knew like liver was probably going to taste different than the rest of the animal. Um, and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. He did a good job cooking it. To me, it tasted terrible. Right. And I was actually a little disappointed and I'm like, dang, it's, I know it might taste a little bit different, but this is not good. And I hope that the two, uh, Deep freezers that just had to buy that are now filled with that elk don't yes. taste like this. <laughs> and so, um, but luckily, uh, it was just the liver, right? And so, um, I, so even to this day now, I'll still eat it. I'll still do, I love doing tacos with the hearts. But um, so after that, we uh, took back straps, um, just salt and pepper and jalapenos, um, on the on the pellet smoker and then that was fantastic and boom i was so happy i was so happy those backstraps did not taste like liver 
and I was so happy that we had so much left uh, left to cook. And so I uh, I freaking loved it, man. And I was you know over it. That the the liver meal turned my brother off though. So that was his first wild game meal too. He's like, oh, it's it's gamey, gamey. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like I'm so sick of that. And then I came home um, a couple of weeks later, and he was like soaking the loins in milk. And he's like, oh, our buddy told us that it won't taste gamey if you soak it in milk. And I'm like, there's no way putting it in milk is gonna make it taste any better. And I'm like, that sounds terrible to me. And so I don't think I even tried any of that. But um, so it, you know, it turned out. So he really, it took him. Um, at least the rest of that elk before he came back around to, to wild game, which um, totally totally okay with me because I was eating on those two elk, you know, by myself for, you know, I was a single man at the time. And so um, I think that it lasted like five years before I finished all that off. And so that was fantastic. But um, yeah, it was a good meal. Good deal, good deal. I love that the first experience was <laughs> getting into one of the most polarizing parts of the animal. Yeah, being the liver. If and it is the, that's the thing too. You could handle it correctly, and it could just be that organy, mealy, irony taste that can just turn people right on off. And you know that term "gamey." That is absolutely what people give items that aren't fed on corn and soybean like that you know the the domesticated world that's a, it all thrives on that and people love that flavor they love that taste and when you get a taste of something that has eaten not corn and not soybeans man it throws people for a loop and so yeah you guys definitely are yeah oh man i really think i really truly believe because i've i've had stuff that tastes like what I assume these people are describing as gamey. And I really think it has to do with the handling of the animal um, after the take, right? If you're, you know, you get any of that, those glands cut, you know, if you hit the gallbladder, if you pierce the stomach cavity, any of that stuff getting over to the meat, it, I think is what creates that. So I think it really turns people off so i think that that's why it's important you know to make sure that you have um not only an ethical shot but a good placed shot so that it doesn't cause that but also beware of that and in, in the field handling of that meat to make sure that because you can i think you can i really i don't know the science behind it but i really think you can avoid that happening and i think you owe it to uh the people you'll feed it to um as well as the animal to see if you can avoid doing that absolutely it's kind of a tradition thing, and it's, I would say it's kind of going away now because people can take pictures right away, but there was where someone would get a deer, and then they would drive around to everybody's house, or they would um, go to the different gas stations and just park there for a little while because they wanted to show off their deer. At least that was a thing in Michigan, and... You know, then people would talk about, yeah, oh, you know, you get these big bucks and they just, they don't taste good. It's like, well, you drove around for three hours <laughs> with it in the back of a truck. No, duh, it doesn't taste yeah. very good. Or, you know, it's. It, it, it tastes like uh, Marlboro Reds and Bush Light and, uh, you know, <laughs> diesel fuel. Absolutely. Yeah, a little tang of the diesel in there. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, at you know, the gut job, like, 
who knows how that was taken care of. And I just think this, I don't want to say it's a renaissance. I don't want to say that it's a, a new fad. But at the same time, I think people are taking far better care, or at least we have an understanding more of taking care of of game. We've been able to have these experiences, and we've seen what has really worked. And we know that, hey, just because it tastes different doesn't mean that it's going to be this this G word of gamey. Um, I had the experience of going to a friend's house in Oklahoma. Uh, he's got a cattle ranch down there, and I got to go on my first hog hunt. Um, we came back with, with several hogs, and the mantra down there is you just you just don't eat them. I mean, you can try. You're going to have to soak it in a bunch of stuff. You're going to have to... Uh, smoke it on on different things and that was not the experience i had at all we made great shots i we hung the animals up we had a great clean on them i was able to actually get them chilled down i had to shoot i had to drive them 15 hours to get them back to michigan we were down in oklahoma but once i got them here i got them chilled down and i gave them a couple days uh full full primals full halves and once I started butchering into that meat, and I'm I'm just starting to to smell it as I'm I'm butchering, expecting this this pungent flavor, this musk from these animals, and it just wasn't apparent. It would just wasn't there. And mm. the fact that I took that extra mile to care for what was going to be putting on my plate really did translate into some amazing pork that. Even feeding That's it to the, the cattle rancher down there, he was like, I, I can't tell you the last time I ate hog. I can tell you the last time I shot one and kicked it off into the ditch because it was all in my grain. I needed to get it out of there. And just I, I made him a meal down there, and it literally was the tenderloins, and I put a little marinade on them, a little lime chili, ginger, a little olive oil, salt, pepper, put that in a bag overnight, and then we had those the next day. And he really was like, I think. I think the next one that I shoot, we're probably going to take care of it at this point because he enjoyed it that much. He was very impressed, very surprised with with the quality of pork that he could get off it. And I think it's just one of those things that's like, if it's not given a chance, or if it's not it, it's not given the chance to be quality, then it's not going to be quality. If you're going to treat it like crud, well, there you go. That's where it's going to be. Yeah. Um, well, it's awesome you changed his yeah, mind. Yeah, and I actually, to highlight, um, this was, actually, it was wild still. I had uh, a little tin. You'll enjoy this, Dave, is I had, it was when you had, um, with Wild and Windward Westward had had partnershiped up. Actually, I think it's still one of the blends that you have now. Uh, it was the, the Waterfowl blend is what I used. That's what I had. Yeah. Really enjoyed that like southwesty flavor to it and off my boar i had made these double chops um so what i had done is cut the saddle off of uh the boar and i kept it intact i didn't split it like i did the sow uh down the down the spine so essentially i had the two loins still connected to the vertebrae i broke the vertebrae uh at the joints so then it's um, shoot, it was roughly inch and a half to two inches thick of a double pork chop that I was able to get off these animals. I left the, the skin on, nice. at least for transport, um, or at least I, I froze them that way. Uh, 
when I got, got to finally being able to prepare them, I took the rind off or the skin off at that point, a little checkered pattern on the fat cap, and I left as much fat on there as well. Wanted the full experience. If it's going to be a sour fat, well, I want I want to know what the sour fat's going to taste like. If it's going to be something that, you know, this is what, what pigs get into, I want to know why I'm cutting it off. But if I don't have to cut it off, shoot, man, let's enjoy that beautiful pork fat. And I hit it with both sides um, with that, that Southwest uh, waterfowl seasoning. And I tell you what, that, just like what you were explaining before, like, it, just the time that I took into that and the, the the moment in time that that had gotten put together, I got an internal of 140 in there, let it rest to 145, let the, uh, let the grill get real hot at that point, quick sear on both sides. And I tell you what, that was a match made in heaven. That cumin, that paprika, it just worked really well with that pork. And any of the dusting that got onto that fat, it just, I mean, you you popped it in your mouth, and immediately that that flavoring just hit every corner of your mouth, every you know back, front, sides, of the tongue, like it just encapsulated like that. These critters are made to eat, and why are we kicking oh, in the ditch? Hungry, why man. are we doing this? This is such a, a waste. And so to highlight that with a seasoning that really did, I mean, just bring it to life. Like so, yeah. There's your there's your little kick, folks. Awesome. I'm glad it worked yeah. out. If you want to know if one of those is works, I I think I'm going to have to have if if I'm going to name one of my favorites, um, and you'll have to tell me what it is from from Kairos. Actually, I I have it upstairs. I got the box. Um, but anyway, what is your what is the the waterfall one now referred to as? Yes, I mean there's a, a little bit of a history um, with this blend. So it was actually a collaboration we did with Windward Westward. So who they are, they're actually uh, buddies of mine who own a surf shop, big surf shop called Almond Surfboards. And they kind of got in the same kind of mode that, that I was in, in wanting to procure wild food. And so they um, have also curated what we call Quail Club. So once a quarter, we'll get together at kind of a potluck style. Everyone brings something that they've recently taken and we share a meal together and so it's really important and so they were interested in what i was doing i'm like hey let's you know i i've shot ducks before not really my thing um but it's also one of the things birds are really easy um to get into in california um it's a little bit it's a lot easier than you know deer and you know you you'll never shoot an elk in california um and so we collaborated and came up with that, uh, that blend itself. And so um, I call it the people's champ. Everybody loved it. And we decided to keep that as one of the original launching uh, blends in, in Kairos. And so uh, I was actually talking to the guys uh, from Windward Westward the other day. Um, and so they've started kind of this amazing thing where they're able to go um, and procure very close to wild food, right? And so they're doing almost like a direct-to-your-door box that includes, uh, you know, wild proteins, uh, seasoning spices. Um, you know, there was, you know, the chanterelles, right, the mushrooms. There's some that even came in that in recipes. And so it's this amazing kind of like fantastic wild meal 
meals that come in this box and we were talking the other day and i told them yeah that uh what was the windward westward uh you know quail blend is now we transferred it over and it is the the westward winged blend um under kairos and uh i was telling them that that blends uh the people's champ man people love it and uh i i was like oh it tastes if you guys say it tastes good on birds like oh I'll, I'll believe you but um i love it so um i have yet no i think there was a pheasant i got that uh, i actually used it on but um you know commonly we'll still use it on chicken gave it to some of my neighbors uh they loved it so you know anything with wings seems to to work well with. yes wings or snout i think you should add that on there too because man that, that okay. light okay. meat that light pork oh it's a it's a great win i love it all right well i'll make sure that people know all right. Well, Dave, we have come to – oops, hold on. Playing with my buttons over here. We have come to the crescendo of our show, and that is our two-dish breakdown. That's where I'm going to have to have you dig deep into your culinary experience, both uh, with with your wild game and then now with your with your seasoning blend – we're going to be looking for what you're going to break down as your favorite meals. Okay, this is it. Steaks cooked medium rare. Can I get my steak cooked? That wasn't no question. You hungry? Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? We're the end of the and you heard about it. So I broke it down into two categories there for you, Dave. I want one meal that you make for the week. Something that, you know, you and your kids can grab hold of. Um, maybe it's something for, you know, just a quick dinner that you're going to make. Maybe it's even a lunch, possibly something pre-made. Um, but I, I want to know that is your first category. Um, what are you making? And then if you can incorporate your wild game, how are you going to do that? Yeah, good. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I should have been better prepared for this. But I can at least walk you through what um, I'm having this week. So there's a, a family favorite that we do. We call it Elk Eddie. And so I'll take um, the last elk I got kind of, it was in bigger packaging. I like meat eating a lot. So uh, a pound doesn't really do it for me. And so I think it's a pound and a half. But I'll take that. Take out the freezer the day before, let it kind of come down to room temperature, um, and then cook it in the cast iron. Usually, um, I'll use some other fats I've rendered from something else to kind of cook it in, just because elk's still pretty lean, um, and that good. Like to do a little bit of seasoning. Um, you know, the Texas works great on this. Um, I think that's primarily what I use. I think that that's what I use this week. And so then, you know, get that, uh, that ground elk, get a nice brown on it. And then, um, over to the side, I'll be making, um, kind of, you know, typical Italian red sauce, which, you know, start, I start with something premium, like a San Marzano tomatoes, you know, the people, stuff that people use for like, um, pizza sauce, you fresh garlic, a little bit of olive oil and that kind of put that in the slow cooker and so I'll either do like a pound and a half if it's just for that week, or this is another great hack where, you know, I'll do then let's say three pounds and then mix it up, mix up the equivalent red sauce, uh, throw it in the slow cooker, kind of let the temperatures mix together. 
And then what I'll do is, um, I, I, I don't know if I'm allergic to gluten, but uh, it definitely fills me <laughs> Ties up you in knots, eh? um, a lot more. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm not really like an Italian food guy. Um, and so what I like to do is use um, a lot of the, the different grain type noodles. So you can get like a fantastic quinoa based pasta. Oh, your listeners are going to make fun of me. Um, <laughs> definitely from Cal- definitely from California with this recipe. And so I'll use that because it's a lot lighter, right? You can get a lot more protein down and you don't have like that bloated feel. Yeah, um, my wife switched us so over to the uh, spaghetti squash. That's usually our go-to. Kids will still do the pasta. Man, spaghetti but squash is going. fantastic. I usually burn my hands trying to pull the, the squash out of the <laughs> oven, so I've learned to stay away from that. But this one's super fast, super quick. And you can even hack it to make it better because, let's say, three pounds this week. Took the pound and a half, fed the family, myself, um, made a couple lunches out of it. Then I'll take and just in the freezer bag, um, you know, put put whatever's left over, throw it in the freezer. It's good for months, right? And so that's, you know, you run to that night, we come home, soccer practice, this and that. And it's that, you know, starting the dusk is coming. No one's eating yet, right? Boom, easy. And I have a uh, kind of a, I feel, I feel it's disrespectful to put wild game in the microwave, <laughs> but this is like a one one exception I'll give like with this. It's already been cooked once. Um, and it's easy. It's easy to get kind of from defrost back on the table. Really, all you're waiting for is the water to boil for the pasta for next time. And so it's fantastic. So that's what I made this week. That's what I'm having for lunches. Um, so that's usually kind of the family go-to. So I got a, a ton of ground from uh, the last elk I had. The guy was like, you sure you want this much? I'm like, I'm sure, my friend. I love burgers and I love yes. spaghetti. So that's what yeah, I Yeah, I got three boys now, and they are beginning to eat. Our, it's it's two pounds easy for for the household. So And they do. They gobble it up. So I'm glad to know that spaghetti is just as fun here up in uh, the Great Lakes as it is over on the, the West Coast. Yeah, that's a great midweek or yeah great midweek hack to just get something in and i think with your red sauce shoot day three i that third lunch that's the best tasting lunch out of all of them had time to marinate do its thing i love it man people think i'm crazy but i think that's like one of my favorite meals and it's like you know calories to make it is very low so makes me love it even more there you go finally the last one here I want uh, the weekend. I want something a little more technical. I want something with some presentation. I want something that really identifies, you know, either as a celebration meal or at the same time, like just gathering with friends. What is a favorite dish that you love to be able to make, but at the same time show off? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, another good question. Um, man, there's kind of two that come to mind. The first one was, I was kind of talking earlier about Winter Westward, the quill club we do. So I think it was maybe last go around or the one before, um, I did, uh, pronghorn taquitos, right? So slow cooked, um, used, um, kind of an old traditional Mexican recipe, slow cook the pronghorn tenderloins, and then, uh, attempted it took a few tries first time i've ever done taquitos but a few tries to figure out the the hot oil and that and that was a really fun meal um but i think my go-to right um there's one i was really proud of and only because my mom was talking about it last weekend kind of made it top of mind 
But um, so for for Christmas, I just do a massive feast, you know, for whatever happened that season to kind of catch everybody up and share all the stories. So this this year, Christmas, I, I went all out. Um, so I had some, you know, backstraps from the elk. I had some lobsters that were gifted to me from another friend that were local, as well as um, uh, an A5 Wagyu tomahawk that I got um, from another company that we kind of have a connection yeah. with. Wow. That's and like so that, this turn. was like yeah. the <laughs> ultimate buffet. And so the uh, did something similar with both the tomahawk as well as the, the elk. So I'm a big proponent and try to sell everybody on the sous vide. People think I'm crazy. You, oh, yeah. Sure you know You're that preaching. Is. Yeah, but okay, yeah keep going. Okay. Keep going. Just because try, trying to explain to people why you put, uh, you know, meat in, you know, a little hot tub apparatus always uh, is a bit confusing and a tough sell. So luckily, no, it is. So I don't have to go into that. But um, so what I like to do is to get, um, you know, definitely some fresh spices, some rosemary, salt, pepper, you know, some fresh garlic and take each one of those, uh, you know, butterfly backstrap cuts, kind of seal it, back seal it, throw it in there. Uh, you know, give it a couple hours, let it really kind of slowly rise to temperature, um, and then pull it, and then you know re- do the reverse sear on the the you know the cast iron, right? Do that. I like to mix up kind of uh, you know homemade like um, uh, what is that stuff? The green sauce. Uh, chimichurri. Chutney. Chimichurri. I can't believe I forgot that. Kind of make a fresh chimichurri sauce, fresh garlic in there, and everybody i mean that's kind of like my special power secret weapon anybody that is afraid of game that i ha- i present that meal to without making it kind of like a big deal like check out the you know here's the the grip and grin associated with the animal they're eating right now and scare them away but if you can you know if they're timid i think it's a fantastic entry and i will put that recipe up against any steak anyone's ever had in a steakhouse um that you could pay for yeah. right i think if, if done properly the right ingredients the right timing that that is one of the best tasting uh you know protein meat meals that you could put together that's awesome yeah i love the sous vide and i love just the gentle heating of of what that can do and then follow that up with uh you know direct quick sear get yourself some crust and boom that is that is a home run i did um i did a, a white tail shank um actually it took it took 48 hours i left it in there and i brought it up to a temperature i think i i think i had it set at 155 and i just kept letting it tick over letting it tick over i kept having to pour water in um my i don't have a lid for my stock pot that it was rolling around in but man after we got that done put that in the broiler for just shoot maybe two three minutes put this caramelization on the outside of it yeah sous vide just rocks pieces of meat it's it's an awesome unit sounds amazing well dave this has just been a great hour to get a chance to just catch up hear where where you're going with and i love the direction that kairos is going that shoot if you're all about uh getting your own meat harvesting animals and really believing in like just like the de- definition, like you were saying, of the archer choosing 
the right moment to release the arrow. Like that, that is such a cool thing that you've come up with, or at least that you and, and your team have been able to come up with and really expound upon. So where can my listeners tune in? Where can we find more about Kairos? Where can we more find more about Dave? Yeah, great uh, great question, right? I'm not that interesting, right? Me on social media is just pictures of my kids going to the park or doing crazy stuff. But uh, we're super active with Kairos uh, on all socials. So Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. So Crafted by Kairos, you can find us on Instagram. We're doing a bunch of stuff on TikTok, Pinterest. Um, yeah, so over there is good, uh, as well as craftedbykairos.com. We got a lot of recipes over there. And we're really taking people through the process of building this brand and kind of application of how you can use this stuff, you know, come up with some amazing recipes to, you know, impress your friends and family. So what we did before this podcast, we got uh, a code for your listeners here. So Huntivore 10 will get you 10% off um, if you head on over. So right now we're pushing out the, the founder's box. So this is sort of the, the launching of the brand, taking the four uh, top spices we got the, the Texas kind of brisket inspired um, rub over there. We got the Santa Maria, which is fantastic for your dry tip. Um, and then we got a, a, the, the coffee, the black coffee, um, as well as black sea salt rub, which I think is absolutely fantastic on, on steaks. And so um, we're running a special over there right now. If you'll pick that box up, we'll give you 20% for life. Or I think it's 999 orders. I don't know. Jason did something funny <laughs> over there. Uh, so if you if you if you if you run out, call me and I'll make sure that you can get your your thousandth order and get that 20% off. But so that kind of comes as a kit, gets you an intro to the brand and what we're doing. Um, we've got a couple of them left over there from their original push, and so it's something we're super excited about. So we have a lot of really cool stuff coming up. You know, I suggest you go follow. We kind of we'll take you through the journey with us, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the learning, the tripping over our own feet, figuring out how to grow this brand in this space. Kind of my next uh, mission I've been given is we're gonna perfect some, uh, so we're, we're pushing, we got a taco spice that's gonna, you know, we're trying to push through Cinco de Mayo, which I love. Um, my friends that aren't from the Southwest are telling me it's too spicy. I think it's just right. I love spice, maybe I'm biased. But uh, kind of the next mission after that is uh, to kind of focus on um, our seafood friends. So focus on, you know, the people that are out there fishing for the tuna, um, you know, the halibut, the, the salmon, all, all you know, to, to give them something that's, you know, designed specifically for their needs to kind of elevate the flavor profile uh, of those animals. So we're pretty excited about it. Awesome, awesome. Yes, folks, take the risk, take the chance. This is that moment we've been talking about. Use that code and get you uh, some of those spices. I guarantee this is a risk that you're going to want to be able to do. And shoot, what Father's, we yeah, Father's Day is a month away. We it. If you hey. need something for Dad, this is you, what you need. You buy it, you don't like it. Call me. Uh, you know we're we're willing to 100% refund, no questions asked. And I think I I did this crazy thing back in the day where like if it ruined your meal and it was that bad and you didn't like it, send me the receipt. I'll refund the cost of that. You know whatever the brisket was. I we have I, I stand behind it. I believe it's the best product out there. I don't think anyone can top it. 
And um, so I don't think there's a whole lot of risk, but I do, I do encourage you to be adventurous and give it a shot. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dave, hold on just a second as I let our listeners on out. Folks, I hope you enjoy our little chat here. I hope you enjoy getting, getting back acquainted with Dave and really getting excited about the dishes that you're going to be making that. Yeah. Like, you know, as far as terms go around, people are going to want us to tell, you know, whether we kill something, but at the same time, we're harvesting. We're harvesting the moment. We're harvesting the meat. And we want to be able to elevate that as much as possible. Why do we throw uh, synthetics on there? Why do we throw stuff that's been made in the lab that we, that are going to enhance flavor when we could just use the natural flavors, natural spices that we've already got at our hands to be able to elevate that meat? So, folks, try yourself out some of the Kairos blends or at least be thinking about what you are putting on your meat. And whether that's going to be butchering up something new that you've gotten or it's going to be something out of the freezer that you're thawing out and you're going to use during the middle of the week, make sure that the knife that you are using is very sharp. 